You're listening to the Australian Water Association podcast series. My name is Joe Taranto and joining me is Jason Carr, the Australasian groundwater lead and digital water lead at Arup. And we are discussing exploring blockchain in water trading. Welcome, Jason. Hi, thank you very much for having me. Water trading in Australia, it's quite a complex and, and political process. Um, what's been the drivers for the work that you've been doing in this space? So water trading and blockchain are obviously very um, topical, uh, I guess not topics at the moment. <laughs> so uh, this research really came about uh, when I went to a, uh, a a blockchain hackathon about a year ago uh, with one of the um, senior uh, data, data analytics experts in the Department of Industry, Water, and it was all on blockchain for the environment. Uh, coming out of that workshop, uh, we uh, decided, well, there's really no reason why we shouldn't explore, could blockchain be applied to environmental trading, and, and would it suit? There are all sorts of benefits that could come out of blockchain um, uh, that would, could be applied to water trading where there were perhaps failings, or perceived failings of the, the current water trading system um, at the time, there were issues around uh, corruption, uh, water trading, and so uh, exploring a system which could be um, less tamper-proof, uh, more transparent, uh, were things that blockchain could bring to the table that we wanted to explore, whether they were, I guess, what we've been told, whether it was true. <laughs> so for those of us who aren't familiar with more than just the word, what does blockchain mean when you're talking about something like water trading? So blockchain is the technology that uh, drives, um, uh, say, Bitcoin, um, blockchain and, and Ethereum. So essentially it's a distributed uh, ledger system as opposed to a, um, a centralised database or a centralised registry that, say, a government uh, department would hold. Uh, the registry is actually kept across multiple um, computers or nodes uh, within the system. And that those nodes are uh, the, the the data contained on that ledger is constantly uh, reconciled all the other computers in the system. So, in a way, depending on how the architecture is set up, it's uh, somewhat tamper-proof, um, which is why it's appealing in a way. <laughs> and so, on the back of the conference that you attended, um, you started a joint-funded program between Arab and the Department of Industry in New South yeah. Wales. What has that involved as far as exploring this area? It's been fantastic. I've really enjoyed working alongside uh, the Department of Industry Water. Um, and we, as part of this uh, research project, we also uh, had the opportunity to collaborate with the Murray-Darling Basin Authority, Authority Water New South Wales, and um, the Department of Agriculture. So we were able to uh, facilitate workshops and ask ourselves some key questions around the existing water trading process. and. Um, and then have a look at distributed uh, or decentralized um, setups such as blockchain and what would be the benefits, what would be the key hurdles um, technologically, but also to say the institutions themselves. What would be the opportunities potentially or the benefits from using blockchain in the water industry and, and with water trading? It depends on how far you go with it, with the technology. Uh, there are some 
So trials, there's one that's being conducted out Queensland at the moment where they've used uh, blockchain kind of as a front-end application where the, the data is still stored centrally, but uh, information on that uh, database can be viewed and so it's water prices can be viewed live. And so it's kind of a step in the right direction, but you're still very much working with a centralized registry. You can go from that all the way through to actually um, everybody, all the stakeholders have a copy of that on their, um, say their own system. And so, I suppose the, some of the benefits that could come out of a decentralized system, if you were to go all the way, or full, full decentralization, is that um, you start to move responsibility away from government and actually back to stakeholders because um, it's not being run uh, by a third party or by the government. It's actually everybody's kind of responsible um, for, the, for the maintenance um, of this system. And uh, one of the things about blockchain is that it, it does require the systems to be set up in advance. So at, at the moment, there's... Whenever you complete a trade in, say, in New South Wales, a lot of it is um, somewhat paper-based. There are emails, there are Excel files, and there's a lot of checking. There's checking for ministerial discretionary announcements. There's, um, is there a water actually available? Water is a physical resource. So um, blockchain, it gives you the opportunity to think about what can be automated uh, within that system. And to get um, in, in blockchain also allows for the use of smart smart contracts, they call them. So actually setting up contracts between um, key stakeholders so that, um, say, there's somebody who needs to say there is enough water in this catchment, that person is the one adding that signature to that approval. So it, it makes you think about the automation side of things. And I'm not saying that can't be done in a centralized system or, or even, and that's something that came out of the workshop is we could also just go with applications that are centralized based, but um, they're not natively set up to do that. And so we're kind of like, what is the, which technology should we use that brings those native benefits to the table? So the flip side of, of looking at the benefits, obviously, is some of the risks and challenges in this space. Uh, what did you uncover in, as part of this project? I think there are definitely a lot of risks. And one of those risks is what I just talked about, is that a lot of the processes are manual and they, they go to specialists. Uh, so that those are obviously hurdles that need to be overcome. There, There's a lot of unknown because there are no systems set up like this anywhere in the globe, to my knowledge, at least. So there's there's fear of the unknown. And in fact, the, the, the key risks actually were more institutional than technology. Because within these government departments, you have a lot of really smart scientists and engineers who, who do know what they're, they're talking about and they want to try new innovative things. Uh, but within the institutions themselves, um, there is a lot of bureaucracy and there is, um, it, it's hard to get momentum around uh, these kinds of um, major changes. And I think it's, it's, it's going to be stepwise changes and, it's going to be, and these things can't be done in isolation. They need to be collaborative and people need to sort of come on board. So I think, that, I think some of the risks are timing, how long is it going to sort of take, um, getting the right people to the table. There are security risks, um, data risks, privacy risks. Um, uh, and I think I think they're kind of the, the major risk that they were concerned, and, and intellectual property um, as well. So whether this goes to government, you know, whether this type of work would go to government tender, or whether it would be through a research institution, uh, it's kind of everybody needs to come to the table to um, discuss the, the progression of this. The project you've been doing is New South Wales based, mm. um, but are the applications and, and implications of it? Australia-wide? Are they, are they potentially global? They are global. It's definitely a, a global topic. Um, we have, I suppose relating this back to the Sustainable Development Goals, um, uh, which it's, it's all about the ethical use of water, um, improving environmentally damaged systems, ensuring sustainable withdrawals. We've had massive um, 
we've had massive problems with our sittings associated with dewatering of aquifers, um, over-abstraction of water for agriculture, um, and damaging of ecosystems. And I suppose, depending on where you are in the world, there's different levels of water regulation. And I'll say Australia is actually pretty good, generally speaking, in terms of the water regulation and legislation and policy that we have in place, um, and even you know, having an, an allowance for environmental um, uh, flows as well within the system. So uh, I think for Australia, it's, it's kind of what does a modern trading system look like? Uh, it's kind of, this is what we've been using for perhaps decades. What, what would it look like if we were to move to um, uh, a blockchain or distributed or le ledger system? Uh, but there are, of course, a lot of uh, um, opportunities where perhaps these systems don't exist globally and perhaps in developing countries, but also where we're seeing uh, massive abstraction of water from aquifers say in the United States um, and also in uh, parts of Asia as well. There are certainly opportunities. So the project you've been working on is, is only in its sort of preliminary phases. Mm, absolutely. Uh, what sort of work is still needed in this space in regards to probably more research and, mm. and the direction that you can go in Australia or globally, I guess? Blockchain is a, is a trustless system, it's often referred to. Um, but to actually get this on the table, there needs to be a lot of trust built to make it happen. So when I say a trustless system, it's that in a, in a, in a blockchain-based system, anybody can make those trades and you don't need to know your partners, but you don't need to who you're trading with, but you know that the system is set up so that you know that the allocation of water actually is there and everybody's come to an agreement that we're going to use this system. In terms of building trust, I mean, we've seen over the last decade, we've seen basin plans are burnt. <laughs> we've seen um, you know, upstream versus downstream irrigators and uh, non-equitable uh, access to water and even the most recent issues in the Murray-Darling Basin all come to place, place. So we can't develop technologies in isolation away from the community. And one of the key um, stakeholders in all of this is um, and something that we've looked into is the brokers, the water brokers, uh, who are uh, somewhat responsible for um, being an intermediary between users who require the water and then getting uh, those forms into government and negotiating those uh, water prices. So they are crucial to um, water trading in Australia, and it's not, it's not an industry we can just automate away because there is trust in the communities um, that's been built. So it's a, yeah, it's a very interesting area. We've been talking to Jason Carr, the Australasian Groundwater Lead and Digital Water Lead at Arup. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you.